So we're approaching the end of the year. I got a question for you. Are you living your life too small? I, I get the most interesting statements from people, you know, as they're looking for coaching, when they describe their current life. I mean, we had a 36-year-old MBA, female, executive position, exciting industry, but she shared this concern as we were talking about her coaching. She said, I have a vague sense that my life is too small. Now, living large does not necessarily mean a bigger salary, a bigger house, fancier cars, retirement fund. It has nothing to do with fancy vacations or the latest fashions. Rather, it means having a life that's full of meaning and purpose. And that can occur or be absent at any place on the continuum of the traditional measurements of success. And I've seen millionaires who are living life small and those with scarce financial resources who are living large. So let me ask you this. What is your life saying to the world? Are you living your life too small? Is it so full of meaningless tasks that there's no room left for the things that make your heart sing? Are you pushing so hard in doing more that you've lost a sense of being more? Does more activity really equate greater accomplishment? Or does at some point it tip the scale and begin to diminish the meaning of your life? How are you creating the legacy you want to leave for your loved ones? So look back, just look back in the past month, you know, just this past month. What did you do to keep your life from being small? Can you identify four or five ideas you had in this last month for a better job or for starting your own business? Can you identify three things you did just to help someone out with no expectation of payback? Tell me the books you read or what podcast you listened to that enlightened your spirit, your confidence, gave you more knowledge and wisdom. How many hours did you spend in quiet contemplation? What are two or three things you did that you've never done before? Tell me about the concerts, the art shows, seminars, workshops, or other enriching experiences you had last month? What are two or, two or three specific things you did to strengthen relationships that mean the most to you? Now, here's the deal. If you have no responses to those questions, chances are strong that you're living your life too small. And I want you to make it a regular practice to embrace living large in your life. I mean, wisdom, peace, contentment, insight about investing your life in fulfilling work will grow in those times. Take a walk and give thanks for simple things. Take a bath with music playing, candles burning, turn off your telephone, TV, and computer. Carve out those times for restoration and spiritual breathing. Don't let the busyness of life crowd out your opportunity for living large. Don't let your life be too small. Now, these are things I'm telling myself as well. Believe me, these are things I keep practicing, but I, I have things outlined so I can be intentional about doing these things that are not just about making more money in business or growing the business or have, selling more books. No, it's about living life large. Now, we've got some great questions today from listeners like you who are looking for ways to dream bigger, to live bigger. And I've got an opportunity for you to join me for a conversation about how to put legs in your dream. So grab your cup of tea, get comfortable, get ready for another power-packed episode where we're going to have practical advice, inspiring stories, valuable resources, help you maximize your opportunities. 
Hey, we're going to jump right in after these messages from our supporting sponsors. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Taking care of business. You know, that's an old song, of course. That's Bachman Turner Overdrive. Callie, I love these new songs that are coming out from groups like Rolling Stones, Angry. Golly, I, I, I don't know how old those guys are, but they've been around a very long time, and they got a brand new song out. And then what about the Beatles? The Beatles, Now and Then, a brand new song with all four Beatles singing when two of them have been dead for many years. I mean, what a testimony to the technology we have access to, to make unusual things happen today. But I love that. So, wow. Anyway, we got some great questions here. Number one, uh, Dan, would coaching my son through 48 Days to the Work You Love, along with the application guide, help him get clarity on what he wants to do? How about this? Dan, how do I tell the difference between a true mastermind and a group where they're just going to try to sell me something? Yeah. My gosh, got a lot of that going on. Do do you think I could sell a book with only one sentence in it? Interesting approach there. Well, fun unpacking that. Dan, I'm a software developer, but I've never felt that I'm very good. Should I consider a new career? And then somebody asked my family and friends, expect a discount at my business. How should I handle that? Oh, great stuff. Well, our quotation for today pulled one from Ralph Waldo Emerson. I... Actually, it's on a plaque in our house. One of my sons gave me this plaque several years ago, and I was uh, just walking in here to do the podcast, and I saw that, and I thought, oh, man, I want to change what I had scheduled for the quotation and go with this one because of what we're going to be talking about. So Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. All right. There we go. That's where we're going to be looking. Not way back, not way forward. What is within you that you have the ability to utilize in a way that would allow you to live life more fully? Well, speaking of which, we got our uh, next conversation coming up here just on November 14th. So whenever you're listening to this, November 14th, that being 48 days before the new year starts. So we're that close to having the brand new year, 2024, roll in. So we're going to be having a conversation. If you go to 48days.com slash dream big, that's where you go. Dream big. You can join me for conversation. Choose from two times on that Tuesday, November 14th, where we're going to walk through the 48 days dream life blueprint. So you can take whatever it is where you want to have more success. If it is how to have more free time or how to have time to go for a walk every morning, we'll look at that. But you have to be intentional about those things. Those things don't just happen. You have to create a real intention and commitment that those things are going to happen. And then they do. You know, a lot of you went through the strangest secret and we become what we think about. Well, that's a beginning point, but that doesn't really give you the steps that you have to do to bring those things into your life. So, Join us. Again, go to 48days.com slash dream big. 
no cost for that. I mean, you sign up, you'll get the, the free workbook to walk through. And, um, you know, just um, create your plan. Decide now what you want next year to look like. So join us for that conversation. Well, I got a note regarding that from Catherine, who says, Dan, just a quick note to say thanks for all you do for your followers, such as me. I've been listening to your podcast for almost two years now. And at the end of each podcast, I always learn new information or my perspective changes on a topic that allows me to dig deeper within myself and open up a new door of of possibilities not seen before. The journey of discovering my best self has been that of a narrow path covered with overgrown shrubs, some shrubs with thorns as well. Wow, what lessons I've learned, all thanks to you and your ongoing mission to making us better humans day by day. I'm excited to tell you that my birthday is November 14th. How cool was that? This year I'll be celebrating a bit differently now that I've enrolled in the 48-day Dream Life Blueprint. Dan, thanks again for your constant inspiration and support, Catherine. Well, congratulations. Happy birthday, Catherine. I'll be sure to call you out when we're together on November 14th there. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for your note, your encouraging note, and congratulations to you for taking action on those things as you are describing that you're doing. Awesome. Well, this comes from, uh, this is kind of just a, a celebration note as well. It comes from Joe. He said, Joe, Joe is one of our, our winners in our recent Strangest Secret contest. So I sent him a copy of The Strangest Secret from my friends at Sound Wisdom, produced that little book. He says, um, I want to share part of my story. He says, my childhood is similar to yours, Dan. I grew up on an Amish farm in Wisconsin. My dad was a preacher, which in some ways added more pressure to follow the community rules and be a good example. I started breaking the mold at a young age when I got my hands on a small AM FM radio. Golly, I remember when those were not allowed in that environment and having one, you could get a little battery operated AM and a whole lot of us little Amish Mennonite kids had those things hidden away. I did as well. Anyway, Joe says this became my Sunday afternoon entertainment behind the barn. I left when I was 18 to see the world. A friend gave me some material from Bob Proctor, which I devoured. Then I got my hands on the strangest secret, think and grow rich, and now I have a library of personal development and leadership books. I've been a podcast listener of yours for 10 to 12 years, never miss an episode. And your wisdom over the years has played a major part in my life. I found you after I moved out west when I was 20 to take a job at a coal mine. Fast forward, I've been happily married for 10 years to my beautiful wife. We recently moved back to the Midwest to be closer to her family. This allowed me to switch careers completely. For the last two and a half years, I've been an outside sales rep, and I absolutely love it. I listen to your podcast when I'm out on sales calls. Well, awesome, Joe. Thanks for that update. I love the, the common connection in our past and what you've done to start living life more fully as well. All right, Daniel says, my son graduated high school last year and has been working since. He's also been active in our church media department for many years. He's a talented musician. He's not sure of what his next step should be, which is fine, as it took me a while to figure things out, too. He mentioned something a while back that made me think. He said he doesn't want to pay rent, implying he wants to own property. So here's my question. Would my trying to coach him through your book, 48 Days, and the application guide be a good idea? Could that help steer him in the direction he should go? Any suggestions? Yes, absolutely. 
walk him through that. I mean, that will give him information that he's not going to get in school. That idea, you know, in, in school, you know, they, they, they have to superimpose on us so much information. Just memorize the multiplication tables, you know, try to uh, figure out what the capital of every state in a country is, you know, those kind of things. But that idea of looking inward, which is the focus of 48 Days to the Work You Love, look inward first. 85% of the process of having a confidence of proper direction comes from looking inward, not just looking outward. I mean, the 15% is looking at where the opportunities are, where the trends are. I mean, that's fine. That's the smaller part. That 85% we don't get in school. Look inward. What's unique about you? What are your personality traits? How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments work best for you? What are your dreams, your passions? Those are the kind of things that you'll learn in going through 48 days. Now, because you say that he wants to own property, I'd also recommend that you get the game cash flow. You know, the Robert Kiyosaki, it's a game. It's marvelous for teaching kids, certainly about real estate, but other things too, how to get ahead, how to get out of the rat race. Now, when it comes to real estate, oh my gosh, I mean, I love real estate as an option. <laughs> Incidentally, 90% of people who end up as millionaires have used real estate as part of their path to get there. Maybe not all, but at least part of it, 90%. So you can do fix and flip. You know, a lot of TV shows show that, but you only do that if he's really good with doing most of the work himself. You know, if he can learn how to do a little electrical, a little plumbing, a little carpentry, a little maintenance, you know, hang drywall, paint, those kind of things. If he enjoys doing that stuff, then that could be a really good option for him. Now, if he doesn't, then no, that's not going to work. Uh, you can buy and rent. You can have Airbnb property. A lot of people have done that, or you can get long-term renters. And I had a, a friend who had nothing but commercial property. He didn't want to have residential property, but he had commercial property and was very, very successful in doing that. So just property that we rented by doctors and attorneys and chiropractors and accountants, because he said they don't eat there, they don't cook there, they don't sleep there, they don't fight there. Those were the kind of tenants he wanted. And that was his niche. And you could have event space. Uh, we had a, a barn that we remodeled on our property up in Tennessee and we had lots and lots of events there. And we would allow that to be available for other organizations. Gally Dave Ramsey and his crew were out there a lot. Uh, Ken Blanchard, they had their Lead Like Jesus events there. Other authors would use it for their book launches, a lot of things like So you could do something like that. You could specialize in low-income housing. I mean, Jeff Long is in my mastermind, and he does nothing but Section 8 housing, where the government guarantees the rent, the occupant typically pays 30 to 40% of the rent, but they particularly are feeling very, very fortunate to even be qualified to have that. So he's found them to be really good tenants and creates great relationships and is able to mentor and coach those people into better lives. So many things can be connected with that. Now, clearly any housing, you know, any real estate is expensive and comes with a lot of additional challenges. You could go into things where it's not residences, storage units. And it just amazes me to see the number of storage units there are. Well, there you have nobody living there. It's a high return per square foot. And they tend to fill up quickly. 
you know, that that's an opportunity. You could have a laundromat. I've always uh, threatened joy and I'm going to have a car wash. You know, just it, it's like a big vending machine. Have a car wash. Uh, you can buy tax liens on properties where there's a lot of times abandoned property. Somebody didn't pay the taxes. You can pick up properties like that. Sometimes it's um, undeveloped property and you can get it extremely cheaply that way if you learn about how to do that well. I mean, you can um, buy a Dollar General store or you you buy it brand new with built-in financing and have a, a locked-in 20-year lease. Very different kind of approach. So a lot, a lot of things there. Um, you know, 48 days will help you and your son identify his strongest skills and talents. Does he have the people skills to deal well with renters? Would it be a good idea for him to work with somebody who already has multiple properties to essentially learn on their nickel for a couple of years? I mean, that's a great way to learn a business. Go to work for somebody who's already doing what you think you want to do. Getting a mentor can be invaluable in opening doors for him. So get around people who are already doing what he's doing. We start going to real estate investing groups. Nashville, and I'm not as familiar here in Florida with what's going on. I'm sure there are comparable things, but in Nashville, there was a group called RAIN, R-E-I-N, Real Estate Investors of Nashville. And they were a powerhouse for connecting people in real estate. They'd share deal opportunities. They'd do investments together and figure out where they could get financing creatively and all those kind of things. So get involved like that. Anyway, great question, man. I commend you on being a dad who's going to lean in to help your son really figure this out instead of just letting him flounder out there. All right. Lynn says, do you have an opinion on how to make sure mastermind groups are what they say they are versus just looking for leads? Well, this, this is a, boy, this is a burr under my saddle to say the least. The term mastermind has been so abused in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, everybody has a mastermind. Let's get together for lunch, you know, and they call it a mastermind. We're going to get together for a weekend. It's a mastermind. Well, that's not really. There are a whole lot of things out there that are being called masterminds that are certainly something else. Now, here's some things to look for. If the only qualification for entrance is paying a fee, it's probably not a mastermind. It's just somebody selling something. If the organizer invites you to join, you know, 15 minutes after meeting you, it's probably not a mastermind. Again, it's just something he has to sell. If the organizer has multiple masterminds, do we got 15 of them go on? It's not really a mastermind. It's something else. If there's no application process, it's not a mastermind. They're just trying to get bodies in to do, to sell whatever they're selling. Frankly, I think if the only focus is growing your business, it's probably not a mastermind. If, um, if the organizer leads every single meeting, it's probably not a mastermind. Now, there's a, there's a lot of wonderful group co- coaching organizations in existence today, groups where you can connect with others on a similar path. I mean, there are brainstorming groups where you can get together and experience that synergy of thinking together and coming up with solutions that would not be available to you as an individual. And then and I've, I've just mentioned, you know, there are business networking groups where you can make connections to other people in positions of influence. And there are executive coaching programs where you'll be challenged to raise your sights, be given tools to stretch your thinking. I mean, I was part of, for several years, part of Strategic Coach. Wonderful, wonderful group. And we'd meet together every quarter and then have weekly calls. But it wasn't a mastermind. It was a training program. So those things are not masterminds at all. 
Now, if it's if it's a free mastermind, it's probably just a lead generator for some big offer they're going to give you once you're in. So interview, explore a mastermind that would be a fit for you. Hey, you can go to you can go to mine. I mean, if you go to 48days.com slash eaglepreneur, that's it's 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 not popularized, but that is the link to see the back end of my mastermind. 48days.com slash eaglepreneur, E-A-G-L-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. That'll show you what I describe as the mastermind that I have. It'll it'll show you all the members that are in there currently. You can link through and uh, see who's in there, what they do. We have people in a wide variety of businesses that are in there. They all are entrepreneurs. They um, have all been you know, quite successful, but you can see the overview there. So go and check it out if you want to go to 48days.com slash eaglepreneur to check that out. Great question. I love masterminds. I believe so much the power of masterminds. I learned originally about them, you know, when I was a teenager reading Think and Grow Rich, the old Napoleon Hill book where he describes that every single person he interviewed who had extraordinary success, like Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, all those guys, they were all part of a mastermind. That's pretty good clue that there's some value there. Well, hey, I also wanted to tell you there that uh, these are real-life questions coming from you, the listeners. If you got a question or a resource or your own success story, just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave it there. Again, that's 48days.com slash askdan to leave your question. So here's a quick message from our sponsors, and we'll be back with some other great questions here right after this. So Nathan asks, Dan, I want to publish a new book. The title will be, You Already Have Permission. It will have only one chapter. That chapter will have only one sentence. What are you waiting for? How many copies do you think I can sell? And Nathan says, I started half joking about this a year ago as I observed the hesitancy so many people have at every level to shake things up and take action. But now I'm half serious. So many people need this book. All right. So let's dig into this a little bit. I'll give you a couple of examples, Nathan. I mean, I love the idea. I love, as you know, I love pretty much any idea that's creative, that's unusual, that's different than the way most people think. Now, years ago, I knew a lady. Well, I mean, she's still around. I just haven't talked to her in a long time. Her name is Cindy Cashman. She is still, I believe, listed as the most successful self-published author there ever was. Now, here's the interesting thing. Cindy was diagnosed as illiterate when she was 23 years old. She really couldn't read. So her first book, now you'll, you'll wonder, how's this at? Well, here we go. Her first book was titled, Everything Men Know About Women. She published it herself, sold more than 1.3 million copies right out of the gate at $3.95 each. Now here's, you probably saw this coming. It was 128 blank pages. Again, the title was Everything Men Know About Women. Had a real attractive cover. Now that book has gone on it now has had the 20th anniversary edition. So she updates it. 
And she updates it with things like expanded and updated with groundbreaking new findings. And she has a, a quote on the front cover that from the Daily News that says, fully reveals the shocking truth. Again, we're talking about everything men know about women, and it's 128 blank pages. So that has really, really served her well. Now, she went on to do other books. Oh, I'm sure I've got a copy here somewhere. Her, her next book was The Book of Smiles. It didn't have much verbiage in it. But it had a lot of examples of people smiling in situations with just a a simple thought. So again, not a traditional book, but she's done very, very well at those books, even though she was, again, now maybe she's improved in her reading skills. I don't know. I don't really know what her her challenge was in being classified as illiterate at 23 years old, but she had like a three, a third grade reading level ability at that point. Now there's others like that. I mean, our mutual friend, David Hancock, David's in my mastermind as well, but David is the, the founder of uh, Morgan James Publishing. So a couple of years, he did a little book. It's titled, Yes, Dear. Yes, Dear. It's got a real beautiful cover. You can look it up on Amazon, Yes, Dear, by David Hancock. And the subtitle is, Man's Definitive Guide to the Understanding of What We Know About the Women We Love. Well, again, it's totally blank. Totally blank. It's nine ninety five. He sold a whole bunch of those. But now here, here's some, and, and I reached out to David, incidentally, Nathan, for uh, his insights on this since he, he did that. He said, it's hard to have those. That was, that was something that kind of was done. And now it's hard to take those seriously because it's not really a surprise anymore. Also, Amazon is probably not going to allow it. And Lightning Source, the printing source for most books that come out through Amazon, any publisher, won't print those anymore. They won't print those. So it's it's kind of an idea that's been done. But what, and, and what David said, is encourage Nathan to flesh it out a bit, which I really, really like. I mean, flesh it out a little bit. It may not be just, it, it may be one sentence on every page. So you have, a hundred tips about, you know, how to do exactly what you're talking about. You know, that would be just a little bit. You already have permission. You know, it reminds me of Seth Godin. You know, Seth Godin um, said, you know, don't wait. Let's see, what did he, how did he do that? He, he, He talks about don't wait to be chosen. That's what I'm trying to get my head around. Don't wait to be chosen. Pick yourself pick yourself. Well, again, that, that could be easily turned into, you know, what you're talking about here, but it comes back to what could you do that would be creative with a little book like that, rather than just trying to mimic what somebody's already done, where it's a book with nothing inside, just kind of the, aha, uh-huh, gotcha kind of thing, but just be creative in how you offer a product. When we introduced Joanne's little book, creating a haven of peace, just describing, you know, how we've created the lifestyle that we get to enjoy we had along with that little book, and the book was like 12 bucks or something, but we had with that an art print, a small tin with tea and chocolates in it, a ceramic plaque that says, if it's important to you, it's important to me, which is a, a primary principle out of the book. And we sold that package for $145. Guess where we made our money? Not on the book, but on that package. When I 
did Wisdom Meets Passion with my son, Jared, a few years back, that book came with an Ubuntu necklace where it had this really unique coin that Jared designed, and it's like a, a real coin in some of the African cultures, but it, and it, Ubuntu means together we can do more than we can do individually, incidentally. We accomplish more when we work together. It had also a digital photo album where we had quotations pulled from the book with beautiful photography that we did with that. Again, all digital. There was a 20-minute audio, not an audio transcript of the book, but just Jared and me talking about how we did, how we worked on the book together, how it came together. So there was that. So again, the package was $77. So we weren't competing with Amazon selling the book for $16 or whatever it was. We sold that package for $77. It had very, very little extra cost to us, but there was a whole lot of upside value. And of course, big profitability. So again, we were making our money, not from selling the, selling the little books, but from selling the other things that went with that. So that's what I would encourage you to do, you know, develop and sell merchandise around that. You could do that easily with the concept that you're talking about. You could have, you could partner with uh, a brand and you go home before I go there, you could offer a workshop or a course, which you're good at doing already. I know you develop courses, so you could do that along with it, where the book is just an introduction to that or a little complimentary piece that goes along with the course. You could partner with brands and businesses. You know, a lot of times you can partner with a brand. There's a concept called Occam's Razor. It's O-C-C-A-M-S. You can check that out. But it means that, well, here's here's what it means. If you want to sell 50,000 copies of a book, you can hope to find 50,000 people who buy one book, or you can look for one organization who buys 50,000 copies to give away to their, you know, if you get with IBM or Microsoft or Dropbox or a company like that, they may buy 50,000 copies to give one to everybody in their company. That's what you look for. I had a friend one time who all, he, he was an author, but he made all of his money doing branded book content. So he'd write things like on leadership, but then he would approach companies that would buy those by the thousands rather than put it on Amazon and hoping individual people buy it. So anyway, golly, a lot of stuff here. I love your question, Nathan. You've, you're, you're a creative guy. I'll be eager to see what it is you come up with to market your little book. And for all of you other authors, we had a conversation last night. Joanna and I did it at dinner with a lady who's writing a new book. Now it's a novel, but we were encouraging her to be creative in how she gets it out there. Get it out there. Do things that other people aren't doing. You know, when I get into this writing thing and realize that they they tell us ninety five percent of authors in America never making forty never make more than forty thousand dollars a year, I thought, ooh, that could be really discouraging. I'm not going to do that. No, that's not how I approached it. I thought, okay, how difficult can it be to get into that five percent? All I have to do is do things that most authors don't do. Thus, the things that I describe. Put together books where. We have other miscellaneous things that are going along with those. And that's how, by doing things that other authors don't do, you know, I've done pretty well. And while I am an author, I generate over 99% of my income from things other than what I get from selling the books themselves. That's the point. I hope that helps a lot of you unlock some creative thinking that you've got going on. All right, a couple more here. Robert says, I love my career. I've been doing what I love for over 20 years, but I've never felt that I'm good at what I do. I'm a software developer and I haven't been able to find a stability 
in the last five years. I've been fired from two out of my last four companies. And the company I worked last prior to my current company, I was placed as a consultant on a contract basis, which felt like I had been let go. Things are not going well at my current company. I've been struggling lately, and I already had a conversation with my boss in regard to my productivity. Besides doing software development, I also have a passion for education, and my wife and I are considering acquiring a Kuman franchise. It's a franchise where, you know, teaches kids, a little academic program for kids. Should I take what has happened to me lately as a sign from God to switch careers? I don't think I'll ever quit computer programming, but sometimes I feel that I'm not good enough for software development. Maybe it's just time for me to switch careers and become an entrepreneur in the education industry. What would you suggest I do, Dan? I commend you. Uh, well, here, uh, my response is, yeah, uh, you know, Robert, I, I commend you on looking at some new options. When you've had repeated pushback in a particular area, even if that's what you got your degree in, even if that's what you've been working in for 20 years, man, I absolutely, it's time to consider things that could be more fulfilling, meaningful, and profitable. Don't feel trapped by virtue of your degree and what you've been doing. Don't let your past determine your future. You can draw that proverbial line in the sand and say, okay, be that as it is. This is what I want my life to look like three years from now. And you can do that. I mean, that's most of the coaching that I've done over the years is working with people who have professional degrees, physicians, attorneys, dentists, accountants, engineers, and so on, who feel trapped, but they aren't. We've had some really, really exciting transitions with people like that into new opportunities. Doesn't mean we throw out what they've done or negate the value of what they've done, but we find interesting new applications that can really change dramatically what it is they're doing day to day. And oftentimes, you know, not only giving them a, a, a sense of being more on track, more being in their own zone of genius, but also opens up other opportunities for success that they had never even anticipated. So, Yes, I commend you on doing that. Now, what you need to do, and this is pretty straightforward, running a successful children's education franchise requires some real clear skills. You're going to have to have skills in, in really in three areas, business acumen, teaching skills, and a passion for working with children. So when it comes to business skills, what do you need there? Well, you need, as you already alluded to, that entrepreneurial spirit. You need to be a self-starter if you're going to have a franchise. Now, you're going to have some guidance from the franchisor, but as a franchisee, you need to be a self-starter. You need to have a strong drive to succeed. You, you should be comfortable taking risk and making decisions. You need to be really good at financial management, able to manage a budget, track expenses, make really good financial decisions, and in marketing and sales. Wow, just because you have a franchise doesn't mean people are going to be lined up outside your door. You're going to have to market. There are other child education programs out there. You're going to have to be able to market. Why is yours really good? So you need to have that customer service. You need to be good at that. Provide excellent customer service to parents and to children. You ought to be able to, you know, you're going to get complaints, issues to be resolved in a timely manner. You need to do those. So those are... Those are some of the business skills that you'll need. So you can just assess, do I have these or not? Is this a good idea? So it's not just, gee, I want to change. Here's an opportunity. No, it's do you have the skills to rock and roll, to really, really be good 
with exactly what it is you're looking at. Teaching skills. I mean, you should have a, a strong understanding of child development. Be able to assess children's needs, create individualized learning plans, be able to not only uh, share the curriculum they have, but perhaps develop some unique things yourself around that. Have to be good at classroom management, at communication. I mean, all those things are going to be things that you need to be good at. And then you really, you better have a passion for work, working with children. You know, patience, be patient with children as they learn. You'll be uh, having kids that have learning challenges. Often when kids have learning challenges, they act out in the classroom. They become the class clown. They become disruptive. You know, how are you going to handle those things? You got to be able to maintain your enthusiasm for learning and teaching, even when those challenges come along. You got to be creative. You know, are you somebody who is creative? You talk about being a software developer. You know, some, some of those are very creative and some are not. Some just kind of are doers, just fulfilling the task. Some are very creative and seeing opportunities when they're presented with a challenge to solve. You need to have a lot of compassion. So you need to be compassionate, understanding the children's needs. You got to build a relationship with students and their families. So those are the things you can ask yourself. All right. Do I have these things? If you do, absolutely. Now that doesn't have a lot to do with your background and having been in software development. Now, certainly those are skills you can bring to the table, having a children's educational franchise, but they're going to be utilized very directly, but that's okay. doesn't mean, gee, you failed. It just means, all right, at this season of your life, you got enough information about yourself to know what it is you can be really successful at and where there's more a sense of fulfillment and not being approached by a boss and said, hey, your job's on the line. Yeah, great, great question. And I love the fact that you're exploring some new opportunities. All right, one more here. John says, this is interesting. I have a parking lot in downtown Phoenix that does event parking for Sons Diamondbacks. I'm looking for some guidance on a percentage discount to offer for family, friends, and the regulars. I need to set up some kind of boundary. All right, this is a great question because it relates to any kind of business you may have. And what my encouragement is, make sure you're making a profit from everyone. I mean, this is a business, not a charity. Now, I've seen this abuse so many times. When I was selling cars years and years ago, just young, I just got my master's in clinical psychology, decided I didn't want to be a therapist. I wanted to do something more exciting than that, and I was selling cars. I learned real quickly that I needed to build in reasonable profit when selling to family and friends, because guess who the first ones are to come back around if something goes wrong? I remember selling a car one time, the to somebody who was a, a family member. And about six months later, the transmission went out. And she expected me to take care of it. Six months. You know, I'd given her a really special deal on the car. You know, really knocked down any profit. And I thought, golly, now I am really in a fix. I took care of it, but it taught me a lesson. I better have profit built in, even when I'm selling to family and friends, because they're, they're the first ones to come back around and say, well, geez, you sold me this. So just be realistic about your profit margin, John, on this. I mean, if, if you had a restaurant, and I'll get back to your parking lot here, but if somebody had a restaurant, typically the profit margin in a restaurant is 3 to 5%. That means if someone spends $100 in your restaurant, you're going to make 3 to $5. If you give someone a 10% discount, you're going to lose money every time they walk in the door. 
You don't want to do that. You don't want to do it where you resent them showing up. Don't do that. So with your parking lot where it's high demand during sports games or concerts or whatever, um, consider giving family and friends a discount in the off times, but not during game nights. I mean, those are your big profit opportunities. So give them a package of 10 parking passes, but only good on what would otherwise be slow times anyway. Now, I know that your parking lot is not likely to be full. You know, anyway, if you, if you know that, then you can be generous. And then you create some income when you might not have any profit coming in and still be giving a great deal to those family and friends. But don't give discounts where you'll end up resenting it because it takes directly away from your ability to make money on your business. Wow. Well, I could, I'd love to park on that one for a while and just go down all kinds of businesses where there is that potential. Um, all right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap right there. Golly, I love these questions coming in. Again, if you got questions, just go to 48days.com slash askdan and leave them there. Remember our opening quotation? Wow, the opening quotation was from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, what lies behind us, what lies before us, are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Boy, look inside. See what you may have as your opportunity for being more, not just doing more, having more, but being more. Again, a great time of year to be evaluating that. And speaking of the great time of year, Callie, join us on November 14th. I mean, we're going to have a blast. I'm going to go through questions you've got there. Join us. Go to 48days.com slash dream big. This is the time to be deciding what you want the next year to look like. You get to decide. You're not just a victim and have to just see what happens. You get to decide. And if you do decide and you make commitments about those things that you want to be true in your life, there's no reason you can't walk right into them. Well, hey, thanks for listening, for sending in your questions. I love the, uh, you know, I have lots and lots of contact with, with people during the week. The podcast is just one unique way to connect with you all, but we see lots of you in the Eagles community. Uh, other things, again, you can check out my mastermind if you want to, but there's a lot of ways we communicate with people. People are, are buying special packages right now as Christmas gifts, knowing that they're giving people tools that will give them a new new future, hope and encouragement for what they want to do, ways to find out. I mean, how many people do you know who are discouraged right now, who feel trapped by virtue of what they're doing? They feel trapped because the workplace is so volatile. They feel trapped because they got a degree in software development and now they're not really fulfilled in doing that. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your background is, what kind of degrees you got or lack thereof. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88. You could make these decisions about what it is you want to do and where you want to go. So believe in yourself. Believe in the others around you. Stay committed to confidence. You can become something new. Share your ideas so you get the encouragement of other people. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.